This is a GRDC podcast. For many South Australian growers, 2022 was a cracker season, but the weather and other factors did lead to some cereal disease. So what does 2023 have in store and what to do to keep disease at bay? Hello there, I'm Prue Adams, and I'll be doing a bit of a deep dive over two episodes to bring you the latest advice. Dr Tara Garrard is a serial pathologist at the South Australian Research and Development Institute, SARDI, the research division of the Department of Primary Industries and Regions in South Australia. She has a project looking at Septoria triticide blotch, working out how it behaves in low and medium rainfall zones. But Tara says there are other diseases to be aware of as you go into sowing. And I caught up with her at GRDC's Grains Research Update in Adelaide. At the end of the 2022 season, we'd had quite a lot of rainfall and this had really enabled inoculum levels of several foliar pathogens to increase. So Septoria triticide blotch was one of them. And with that, we're going to need to be considering the inoculum levels on stubble going into this season. So we need to be aware of what the risk in crop is, avoiding sowing wheat on wheat where possible. And the other one is stripe rust. We had quite a lot of stripe rust in South Australia in 2020. The late wet conditions really allowed it to continue throughout grain fill. This is going to mean that there's the potential for quite a lot of inoculum going into this season and green bridge control is going to be essential. This pathogen only survives on living plants Hence why managing our green bridge and reducing the number of volunteers is critical for that inoculum level at the beginning of this season. So we're right at the beginning of 2023. Is there anything that growers ought to be doing, say, in the next few months leading up to seeding? Yeah, definitely. It's a great time to be thinking about your strategy for the coming season. So I think the number one thing will be reducing volunteers and getting those out of the way to reduce our stripe rust risk right across the state. It's also a good time to be considering which varieties we're selecting, having an understanding of what diseases you're most at risk of in your region, and selecting varieties that have some level of genetic resistance to those. So really avoiding susceptible to very susceptible varieties. In addition to that, if you've got seed applications that you can utilise or at seeding fungicides that you can use, this season might be a good time to implement that, particularly for stripe rust control, given the inoculum levels that we've had coming out of last year. Are there any management tools or apps or information pieces that people ought to be looking at at this stage that growers could be referring to that might help them? Definitely. So the first one is the uh, GRDC's NVT website. On that website, all of our varietal disease resistance ratings are available and you can adapt that to select the varieties within your region and the diseases that you're particularly interested in. It's a really great tool to help with your decision making and choose a variety that's avoiding those susceptible and very susceptible varieties. In terms of stripe rust control specifically, there is an app available and that's been developed as part of an ongoing project with DPIRD and GRDC. It's got a lot of modelling data that sits behind it and helps with decision making in season. So it's called Stripe Rust WM 
and it's available on iPads and tablets. And what it does is it enables you to plug in the level of disease that you've got at a point in time in the growing season, along with your other conditions such as the variety that you're working with, how much rainfall you've had, and it helps to predict what your risks of yield loss are from striped rust and also helps with some of the calculations and economics about fungicide applications and whether they're going to be uh, beneficial within that season under those conditions. So I definitely recommend having a look at that and using that to give you an indication of how striped rust can be managed during the growing season. Is there anything else you'd like to say to growers at the moment, Tara? I think that 2022 was a season where we saw a lot more foliar disease than we've seen in several years. And so we just need to be aware of that coming into this year and prioritising disease management in the season going forward. And this isn't just wheat diseases, but also our barley diseases as well, like the net blotches, scald, barley leaf rust. And having a strategy for each of our paddocks where we understand the risks that we're going into have made varietal selections, understanding that. Thinking about your stubble loads as well, many of our key diseases are transferred on stubble. So avoiding sowing barley on barley or wheat on wheat to avoid some of the risk from inoculum coming through stubble. I think as well, being prepared with fungicide regimes during the growing season and rotating your fungicide modes of action as well so that we're avoiding and trying to reduce the risks of fungicide resistance. Fantastic, such great advice. Thank you so much for speaking to us today. Thank you, thank you so much for having us and uh, good luck to everyone for the coming growing season. Tara Garrard spoke there about wheat stripe rust. It's our next speaker's specialty. Professor Robert Park from the University of Sydney's Plant Breeding Institute claims last year represented a one in 50 year event in terms of the high incidence of stripe rust. He says while GRDC's National Variety Trials, or NVT as he refers to them, are slowly discovering rust resistant varieties, there is so much more growers can be doing now. And he warns the stripe rust threat is still high going into 2023. At the beginning of 2022, we were looking at the threat of rust based on what we'd found the previous years. And I'm talking there about particularly 2020 and 2021. And on the basis of that and with the weather forecast, we assessed the threat to crops in Eastern Australia as being probably a one in 50 year event. That's amazing, isn't it? One in 50 years. So the last time was in the 1970s. The last really severe epidemic we had in Australia, I guess you'd say, was in 1973. It was an epidemic of stem rust in wheat. Really just affected crops in southeastern Australia. And at the time, the damage bill was put at $300 million. So this time around, is it because of the weather conditions, the climate conditions, or are there other things at play as well, which is feeding into that one in 50 year threat? Yeah, so the reason we felt that we were looking at a one in 50 year event rust-wise in 2022 was based not just on the, uh, the weather forecast, it was based also on the fact that we'd had a very wet summer in 2020-2021 and then 2021-22. So the summer was quite wet. Combined with that, we'd had a lot of stripe rust inoculum around in 2021. And the third factor was that in 2017 and 2018, we had detected 
two incursions of exotic striped rust pathotypes, new isolates of striped rust, one of which we believe came from Europe that we picked up in 2017, and one we picked up in 2018 we believe came from either Europe or from South America. Now the combination of those factors, so the wet summer, the significant amounts of striped rust that were around the previous year, and then the presence of those two new exotic striped rust isolates, we felt combined to make the threat very, very high indeed. And as it turns out, you know, if we look in hindsight now, 2022, our predictions were pretty much spot on. So how do we get incursions? So those two incursions, how do they come into the country? Yeah, so these exotic incursions of rust, I mean, it's an interesting thing really because we've been monitoring rust pathogens of cereals in Australia for 100 years now. So the University of Sydney started this work in 1921 and we've been monitoring these pathogens nationally at the University of Sydney for 100 years. And during that time, that 100-year period, with respect to wheat rust, we've seen a very, very clear increase in the frequency of incursions. So I think there's been about 15 incursions over a 100-year period. So it's not something that happens every day, but we've seen about 15 incursions, I think, over that 100 years. But the trend has been increasing frequency of incursions as time goes by. And we believe that that's due to increased travel, people moving between countries, and people inadvertently bringing back rust on contaminated clothing. So rust spores stick very readily to clothing. If you walk through a rusty crop, it doesn't have to have much rust in it. You walk through the crop, the spores will brush up against your clothing and stick to your clothing, and they will remain viable under ambient conditions for at least a couple of weeks. Good to know, isn't it? You talked about the importance of surveillance. Why do you say that is so important? Well, the surveillance is important on many different levels. So it's, a, I suppose, a biosecurity importance. So if we do get incursions of exotic isolates, we need to know when and where they have huge economic impact on the industry. That in turn may provide us with some information on incursion pathways, so we can then improve biosecurity by changing practices to try to avoid those entry pathways. But it's also critical surveillance just to work out what's out there in terms of the strains or the pathotypes of rust and what impact they have on our cereal cultivars. That's very important for empathic management of rust diseases, so for decisions that are made during the season on whether chemical intervention is required, because it's really these strains or pathotypes that drive varietal response. So really, really important for in-season decisions. But if you look longer term, that surveillance information when it's aggregated and we know what pathotypes are out there, we can use that information to make recommendations on varieties for years in future. We can also use that information to help us with our gene discovery work. So we're always trying to find new resistance genes that the breeders can incorporate in their breeding programs. But if those genes are not effective, then we're wasting our time. So we need to know what pathotypes are out there to be able to identify the high value effective resistance genes so the breeders can then prioritise those in their breeding programs. And then of course use those key rust pathotypes that we've identified to help the breeders select for the resistance in their breeding nurseries. And how are we going in terms of breeding for rust-resistant varieties? Are there any new ones on the horizon? What's working and what's not working? Yeah, so I think experiences from 2022, there was so much striped rust in eastern Australia, there were quite a few varieties that perhaps growers felt didn't perform as well as they hoped. So there may have been a little bit of a loss 
of faith in the genetic resistance approach to rust control, but it really is foundational to rust control. I mean, there are a number of approaches we can use. We use genetics, we use fungicides, and the agronomy side of it, really important to destroy the green bridge. This is what allows the rust to persist from one season to the next, because they must have a living plant to survive on. But coming back to the resistance breeding, we've been very, very successful in Australia in using genetics to control rusts. So I think if I was to ask people the question, have you seen stem rust in a wheat crop? A lot of people would say no. It's a hard disease to find in Australian wheat crops now. It's a tremendous success story. Epidemic in 1973, $300 million in damage. We find it hard to find that pathogen now in wheat crops. And that's principally due to the genetics. The thing that has foiled our attempts to breed for resistance has been these episodic exotic incursions. So with stem rust, we've had the opportunity to really get on top of that because we haven't had an incursion since 1969. So the breeders have really been able to build the resistance and pyramid genes and get multi-gene durable resistance to that pathogen. Stripe rust, very different story. We've had these multiple incursions since 1979. Every single time we get one, we don't know when it's going to come in. We don't know where it's going to come from. We don't know what its impact is going to be on our local wheat varieties. So there's no way we can prepare for that. I have every confidence we've got material coming through NVT now, showing really good resistance to these new pathotypes. And certainly after the 1979 incursion of stripe rust, the breeders responded. It took a while, but they managed to address that and put out resistant varieties. And then we had an incursion in 2002. Same story. A lot of material rendered susceptible, a lot of varieties rendered susceptible, but in time the breeders responded and they were able to put resistant varieties out there. So yes, I have a lot of optimism about the years to come. There's good material coming through NVT. And I think, provided we don't get any more of these exotic incursions, I think you'll find over the next five years, stripe rust will become less and less of a problem. What would you be saying to growers in this southern region, South Australia in particular, South Australia, Victoria, Tasmania, going into this season? Well, I think based on the experience last year in particular, the threat for rust again this year is high. Maybe not as bad as 2022, hopefully not as bad as 2022, but we would say that given the amount of inoculum rust spores that were around last year, that you'd have to say the threat for rust in 2023 is again high. So there needs to be a vigilance if it's a wet summer and there's any evidence of this green bridge, so these self-sown cereals in paddocks that really needs to be destroyed at least four weeks before a new crop is sown. To get rid of any of the, the pathogen survival during summer, otherwise we're going to start the next, the 2023 cropping cycle with rust inoculum and the earlier that rust epidemic starts, the more severe the epidemic will be. So that's the first thing I would recommend is be vigilant the second thing, make sure that the green bridge is destroyed. And I suppose also farmers have varietal selection pretty well locked in at this time of year and there's not often the ability to switch varieties quickly. So if farmers are in a position where they're going to be growing varieties that are rated moderately susceptible, this is what we call MS or worse, then they really need to be monitoring those crops carefully for rust if they want to optimise the use of fungicides. Many thanks to Professor Robert Park from the University of Sydney and Dr Tara Garrard from Sardi. Please tune in for part two of this deep dive into the season's serial diseases of concern, where I'll speak with another couple of researchers who've been delivering the latest information to the Grains Research Update. This is a GRDC podcast. I'm Prue Adams. Thanks for listening.